Hey, welcome back to the Trumpet Speak podcast. I am Gerard, um, and this podcast is about, well, anything we want it to be about. Um, I'm a black Christian man in America. I'm married to a black Christian woman, um, and because of that, we like to talk about some things that we don't necessarily hear in the media um, and just want to have a dialogue deeper about some things that are noteworthy and things of that nature. Um, and so today's episode is going to be about mental health and, and taking care of yourself. Uh, but first, I wanted to get into video games. Um, I am a, like I said, I'm a young father. My son is about to be two sometime soon. I've been married for a little bit over five years now. Um, and the truth is, I do not have the time that I used to have to play video games as quickly and as efficiently um, as I used to in terms of like beating a storyline or playing a franchise mode. I'm more like, hey, look, I have some free time on these particular days. Um, and instead of doing work, which will maybe change, who knows, um, I play video games. It's a good way for me to get a release, a good way to focus on some stuff that really doesn't have an effect on my life. Um, good, or, good, bad, or indifferent, that's what I do. Um, and so I only play about two games at a time. It's typically um, a sports game and an adventure game. So for me, just to get the understanding, like when my son was young, um, like within his first six months of living, you know, babies can't do very much. And so you, you're kind of sitting there watching them, feeding them, um, changing his diaper, um, letting him do a, the little bit that he can do. Um, but over time, you're like, OK, well, I'm, if I'm going to be sitting here by myself, I might as well um, do something that I can enjoy doing. And it turned into video games. I think a lot of it. Um, I think this was the Fortnite craze. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Um, but either way. I would play a game um, and just watch him pause the game when I needed to pause the game. And then I would go back to playing it after I changed his diaper or fed him or whatever else he needed. Um, and that's really what kind of got me into um, understanding that things had changed for me as it relates to video games. Because before, you know, you could come home on a Wednesday um, and play video games until midnight if you wanted to. Um, and, you know, there's no real consequence to your life except for the fact that you didn't do anything with your time when you get, got home. Um, but now, like with a kid, you cannot play video games from like six o'clock to midnight um, because it's just too much stuff going on in your house. Because, you know, for me, I have a dog, I have a kid. And so even if I were to walk my dog and she's OK, now I have a son who's like, hey, look, feed me. I want to play. I want to play with you. I want to do something I'm not supposed to do because you're not watching me. Um, and so you kind of find yourself not playing video games as much, which is cool because you have this little person that is you running around your house and you get to play with this cool um, baby that that is your child. Um but when it comes back to playing video games, I had to decide, okay, what am I going to do? What am I playing video games for? And so for me, I like playing video games for the development of a storyline or like the development of like particular characters and things of that nature. So for me, I play sports games on the franchise mode um, because I really like the fact that you can say, hey, I'm going to take this franchise that isn't necessarily good and my effect on the team, changing strategy, whatever, um, makes the team better. Um, I enjoy that, like finding players and all that other stuff. Um, like right now, the franchise mode that I'm playing is FIFA. Um, been playing FIFA for a while now, actually. I've had 18. I skipped 19 and got 20. Um, and I played 18's uh, club mode or franchise mode. I think they call it career um, for two years because 
it didn't really matter to me. I wasn't playing online. I was just like, all right, cool. I'll hop on this. I'll play it. I'll develop my players. Um, I'll make my coach better. Um, and then, you know, I'll just move on. And so I bought the new one just because I wanted to get the new game. Um, and the franchise mode is a little bit better or the, the career mode is a little bit better. I like the fact that now, like when you play, you you have a little bit more control over the game, um, a little bit, little bit more control over your style of play. Um, and for me, like one thing that I appreciate about playing franchise mode games is like you get to you looking ahead and you're and even with FIFA, like they give you goals. So you have like I think like five or six categories that each club prioritizes and it's up to you as a manager to do what they ask you to do. Um, obviously, in my opinion, if you win, you'll keep your job no matter what, because who's going to fire a winner? Because the more money you make for the club, you win, you, the more winning you do, the more money you make for your club. Um, and so that's something that I always focus on when I'm playing the game. Um, and I just enjoy it. That's, that's the reason why I enjoy sports games. It's like the challenge of playing a sport, um, and all the other stuff. Um, the last sports game I played that wasn't FIFA, um, was uh, <clears throat> was 2K. So I think I had 2K19. Um, and, I, you know, you make your career, you make your my player, and I would just run around. I think I won the championship the first year, the second year I was my second year. Um, and then the third year I went, and I kind of cheated a little bit when I felt like the game was cheating me. But I, um, I went undefeated uh, my second season, like all the way through the playoffs. And after that I was like, okay, I'm bored now. There's no benefit because I thought they were going to give me like a, an achievement or a trophy or something like that for going undefeated, winning all 82 games. They didn't. They made one or two sentences about freaking uh, these guys broke the record for wins in a season. Literally just that. And that was it. Um, and so after that, I was like, man, this is not enough payoff for the amount of work and energy I put in this, in the game. It's just not enough return from the game for what I do and so I was just like all right I'm done um and so it was fun while I played it one of my boys he has the game we would play together from time to time um and and the honest truth for me was I didn't really care necessarily about playing against other people I just like developing my character and making him better and because I had made a character that I thought would be good against the computer not necessarily good against other people um so that was really that and so the other part, because, you know, I like playing sports games, but after a while it gets a little repetitive. I found myself playing adventure games next. Um, late, lately, I've been playing like Tom Clancy, but I've played The Division. I've played uh, Destiny. Um, those are the games I've played recently, I think. I bought No Man's Sky, but really didn't play it that much. It's just no dialogue at all. It's just you being in a room in silence. And I was just like, OK, I can't I can't keep doing this. And I'm not going to keep reading text of these people who sound just wasn't going to keep doing that still got the game but that's it um and so I have for me it's like okay I'd like I like the element of exploration I like the element of going somewhere having a challenge that's linear to some degree um where you go around and you develop your person but it's still more about like the storyline and what's going to happen next um and you kind of get to watch and see what happens I think that that's so much fun um and then for this particular game that I have it's more tactical so like you run into a, a, a building, guns blazing, and you're going to get killed. Um, and if you make too much noise beforehand, you're going to get yourself, you're going to mess yourself up and make it more hard, more difficult for yourself. So I really enjoy the video games portion of it because for me, well, the adventure part of the, of the game is because it's like, okay, this is obviously something you're not going to do in your real life. Um, 
And because of that, it's kind of fun to go on these fantasy type adventures where you are a lone ranger or a part of a team going to achieve a, mes- a mission that takes time to achieve. And so for me now, because um, I don't necessarily need to buy a whole bunch of video games, um, I take my time to beat the games. Like I- I'll like do side missions. I'll go discover stuff. I'll just go do whatever. Because for me, the the joy is playing the game and not completing it, um, which is different from how I was when I was younger, where I had all this time. I was like, the faster I beat this game, the faster I can go play another game. And the truth is, for me, I'm like, you know what? I could take my time. If it takes me three months to beat this game, six months to beat this game, great. I got my money's worth. Uh, because at the end of the day, once you beat the game, most of the time you're putting it aside. You're not touching it anymore. Um, you're selling it back to whoever. You know, it's not necessarily as valuable as it once was. So for me, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to take my time, um, beat the game when I beat it, and I'll move on from there. Like, it's not a big deal to me anymore um, from adventure games or storyline games to beat them necessarily quickly. Because I know that, you know, once I beat it, I got to spend another 60 bucks to get another game that I enjoy. Um, and while I'm on the topic of another ge- on other games, like I'm, it's no like timetable on when I get a new game. It's just whenever I feel like it. Um, but for me, I actually prefer, and I know some people who don't, but I prefer to get the disc. Like I prefer to have um, the disc and put it in my PlayStation and play it, um, mainly because it saves you use less data to do that, so you can play more games at once. Um, but also, I just like the novelty of still having the disc. So like in um, eight months, five years, whatever, if I still have my system, I can put in the old game, let it download and play it. Like that stuff doesn't happen when um, you do the downloads. Cause if someone comes over your house and they want to play one of your old games, it's going to take it like three hours for it to download. And you know, the person is left by then. So it's not something I'm into in terms of waiting, maybe not three hours, but it takes a long time. Um, and so I'm just not into that. I, I like to just say, okay, I want to play this game, delete, you know, a game I haven't played in a while and, and play it. And then, if I want to play the the other game, I'll plug it back in and I'll play it. So it's like, it's it's better for me. I like the novelty. And I think that came from like having the old PlayStation or having a Nintendo 64 where it's like, oh, I have all these old games. I haven't played this in a while. I'm feeling a little nostalgic. I'm going to put it in and play it. Um, and you can't really do that in today's model because they want you to download so much stuff onto your system so that you can play the game and it can be smooth. Um, but for me, that is my... That is my preference. And the other genre, which I wouldn't really say I play like regularly, but the other genre of video games that I play is party games. So I'm really big on having people over my house when I have the the resources to have people over. And so for me, like I always want to have games that people can play on my PlayStation together because I feel like, you know, it's cool to play your PlayStation by yourself. It's cool to play online, but it's also more fun to have, you know, your PlayStation work for you. When you have people over where you can play like games where you can play on your phone or like a dancing game or whatever, karaoke, whatever the case may be, a big uh, game that you can play with people to me is fun. I think of it like, hey, you came over my house. I got this game. We're playing this game. It creates us. It allows us the opportunity to talk, allows for us to kind of have a shared experience that we wouldn't necessarily have without this game. It just gives us a new point of view. And I'm really big on that. I don't I don't know when it happened, but I was like, man, it's kind of fun to play these games um, together with friends. And so that's what I started to do. Um, and so moving on to the next topic, which is mental health, I think about the fact that a lot of the times why I play video games is because I want to take care of myself. Um, and it's not necessarily the most beneficial or the best way to do it. Um, but I spent some time 
um, recently dealing with some mental health issues in my own life. And so it made me think about a few things. Um, the first is, um, and this is what we're going to be talking about, is the mental health care system in the U.S., um, at least as I have seen it. Uh, so, you know, if you're dealing with a mental health issue, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Um, in our current system, it is up to you to take care of yourself. Like you have the you have the responsibility of paying out-of-pocket costs um, and finding a provider or an, a mental health uh servant, I can't think of the right word now, but the person who will serve you as it relates to you, helping you solve your mental health problems, you got to go through your insurance to find someone. Um, from my experience as a black man in America, in terms of diversity, very, very lacking. Um, and so for me, like in my experience, like I didn't even know, there's no real education on this part, but in my experience, like I had an issue, I'm at work with my issue my manager who had been working at the company for over 20 years, I think it's close to 30, um, basically was like, hey, call this number. They will be able to help you. They will give you this information um, and they will put you in the right position to find someone. And so, you know, it, it was uh, if he didn't give me that number, I would have never found it or knew that it existed. Um, no one, no other manager had ever talked to me about mental health. And I know that that's not a big thing that people talk about. Um, but it was just nothing in, in that environment that made it easy, that information easily acceptable, except for having a conversation. Now I will say that my company that I work for is like that though. Like everything is you got to talk to the right person to find out that information. If it is, if it does exist and you could talk to five people and get five different responses, five different answers. Um, and it is up to you to decide which is right and which, which is not, um, which in my opinion is a horrible way to do business, but we don't have to get into that. Um, so as we talk, uh, so after I get that information and I reach out to the person that I talked to, they talked to me briefly. Um, I take the day off when this happens, the rest of the day off. And the person is like, hey, look through your insurance, find a provider, and we'll cover some of the costs. Cool. Um, but the process to do that was a little bit more, it took some time to do it. And, and, and at the end of it, I ended up paying out of my pocket, like the copay from, from my insurance for my, my sessions. And that was it. Like, it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, um, this didn't work out the way that I thought it was going to work out. And I ended up just paying it out of pocket so that I wouldn't have the issue of it not being paid. Um, another issue for me was when I was looking up people through my insurance, I was just like, man, there are no black people here. There are no people, there are no men here. There are no Christian, like I'm looking for a Christian uh, uh, counselor, excuse me. Um, and I couldn't find one. And so I'm like, okay, well, you want me to go to um, these white women that I've never heard of um, in an area that I'm not necessarily the most comfortable with going to because where I live, you don't necessarily have the right type of counselor there available to me or they didn't respond fast enough. It was just one of those things where I was like, man, I'm trying hard to find the best care for myself and I can't find it. Um, and so it was just one of those things that was very disheartening for me. Um, but I mean, after I talked to somebody, for me, I think the thing I needed the most was for someone someone to talk to. So having someone who does not relate to me didn't make as big of a difference as it could have if I really needed someone to relate to me and help counsel me through my issues and talk to me about um, what I'm dealing with and the cultural re responsibility associated 
with what I was dealing with, you know, that's the thing that kind of put me in a position where it was like, um, I, <coughs> excuse me, I really wish that the system was better for me to find um, someone that I was looking for. So I was kind of just thinking like, man, if I had to go through this, you know, a third time in my life, um, what would I want to happen? And, or what would I want if I was making people do the right, do right by people? I mean, the first thing would be, it would be a required benefit. Like if you go to a school or you have a job, your employer or the education provider would have to have mental health support available to you. Um, and they would have to make it like a resource. Like if you're in school, like if you're in high school and you're having mental, mental health issues, it would be like going to the nurse essentially. Where like if I have, uh, if I'm dealing with some depression, I don't have to say any, I can go straight to the nurse and the nurse will tell my teacher where I am. And then I will be able to um, get my counseling as I need it. Um, and that's basically how it works. And to me, it would be required. So like for me, like in my opinion, I would almost make it like, yo, this person is acting different for whatever reason. You're going to the nurse to get checked out. Just like if you have a cold and you're coughing, you should be going to the nurse to get checked out. That, that That's how I would do it. And for an employee, like the way you have to go get a physical or get drug tested um, the way you, you know, you go and you can talk to the HR person or they have snacks or uh, coffee and stuff like that in your workplace. That's how I would make mental health available, to, mental health support available to employees where, you know, you are in an environment where someone who needs, who is, who, if, if I need help, I should be able to say, Hey, I need help. And someone is there to help me. And if I'm not sure I need help, there should be someone there to help identify that I need help and reach out and provide, you know what I'm saying, some type of help. It's just my opinion about that matter because it, for me, when you have a mental health issue, sometimes the thing that is like you're just trying to keep moving forward. You're not necessarily thinking about um, what's going on. Like you're just trying to get to the next moment that will allow you to have some some sort of relief. You're not necessarily looking for... Um, the way to solve your problem. Like if solving your problem means you need more money, you may be like, all right, I'm going to focus on getting more money, but everything else in your life is falling apart. If you're having a mental health issue and you just need to laugh, you may try to do anything you can to make yourself laugh and not necessarily focus on taking care of yourself and solving the real emotion, mental, emotional problem. And so that's what mental health health care is for, but you got to have someone there to identify the issues when the individual cannot. And I'm not saying we need to have, like, you know, in the NFL, they have people that watch for a concussion protocol and they put people in concussion protocol based on what they see. I'm not saying it needs to be that detailed, but managers um, and senior management need to be able to identify issues and then say, hey, look, you have to go do this because you're not acting like yourself. It could be a 20-minute phone call. It could be a 15-minute phone call. But at the end of the day, someone needs to be required to, to watch that. Like, if I have a health issue, companies are required to make sure I do what's necessary to take care of myself. Well, my mind is a part of my body. And if my mind is sick, it's just like if my body is sick. If I'm bleeding at my desk and I'm bleeding all over my desk, you're going to tell me to go get go to the hospital or you're going to call 911. It should be the same thing if I'm having any emotional or mental instability. And that's just my, my wholehearted opinion about that. I know I brought this up before, but 
in my opinion, when you get hired, the way they drug test people is the way they should do a mental health screening with people. Hey, it's, it's a requirement to work here. You got to go. They're going to see if there's what's going on with you mentally. They're going to re- report back to us. And if there is a, 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 an issue, we're going to find out about it ahead of time. Doesn't mean you can't get hired, but it allows us to have information about what's going on with this individual so that we can properly monitor them. Because if I know I have someone who cannot deal with adverse, direct adversity, then why would I hire put them in an environment where the manager or the person that they're going to be reporting to is hostile like not in a bad way but like if i'm very direct and aggressive i couldn't i can't have an employee that works for me that can't handle that direct aggressiveness it's just already it's a recipe for disaster and we need to be able to know that information ahead of time for yourself and for the people that you're going to work for um that to me makes it a gives us the ability to also support those individuals should things go awry because now we have some information about these individuals um and even when you go to a school and you get your physical and you do all this stuff we need to know all right, this person has issues. We need to know what those issues are so that we can help maintain the issues that may arise. We, so, for example, if I know that I have a kid who has violent tendencies from a mental health standpoint, I know that there's some different things that I have to do to make sure that this individual doesn't shoot up my school. It's just the, it's just the way that the world works. And you, if you spend the time to do the mental health work up front, it saves from a lot of issues in the back end because if there's a kid with anger management issues, you can help treat that kid instead of them getting into a lot of fights, arguments, being ostracized for being different or aggressive. It's just so much more you can do when you focus on the fact that you have people that have mental health issues that need to be solved or treated or monitored. And you can't do that if you wait until they reach out for help. You got to do that preemptively. Just like if I'm at risk to have cancer, there are things you can do to prevent the cancer in my, in my body. It's the same thing with mental health. There are certain characteristics in people, not good or bad, but they need to be monitored so that they do not go bad. And that only happens when you do it from a preemptive standpoint. Um, and in my opinion, there should your insurance should cover whoever you go to see. As long as that person is a licensed counselor or a, a licensed specialist, you should be able to go. Your insurance should be able to pay that individual, so you only have to pay the copay instead of some out of ridiculous out of pocket fee for the hour that you spend with that individual. Personally, for me, I don't want to go see someone that my insurance isn't going to cover because sometimes it's cost prohibitive. At the same time. I don't feel I feel like we put ourselves in a situation where I have to only go where the insurance goes and the insurance is like, well, I have to cater to the majority of my 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 customers and the majority of my customers are not black. Or majority of my customers aren't from an urban environment or majority of my customers don't recognize as Christian, whatever the case may be. I don't know. <clears throat> and even if you're not a Christian, if you're like, "Oh, I'm a I'm a Muslim, I'm an immigrant and I am dealing with uh issues of being uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with homosexuality, and I, I, I have, I'm, I am a homosexual. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are issues that the traditional American cannot help you walk through because they have no point of reference. And so, from that standpoint, that individual should be able to find someone that they can relate to and talk to that helps support them through that matter. Because it's unfair for us to think that we can solve people's problems just simply because we went to school. We need to have some level of connection with individuals. Um, and this is my final point on this matter. Um, 
from a fi- from a primary care perspective, one big thing for me is we gotta have some type of mental health screening process from our primary care physicians. I'm not saying that they need to be certified um, and, and be psychologists, but what I am saying is there gotta be there has to be some questioning, some testing that it needs to be done that is systematic and repeatable so that we can identify people with issues um, every time they come in for a physical. Just like we want to make sure that people with diabetes are properly treated, we need to make sure that people with mental health issues are properly treated. Not everyone is going off killing themselves or killing other people, but they're doing destructive things that hinder or hurt the, themselves and the people around them. And we should, as a country, try to solve that particular problem. Because the honest truth is, if we just made people more stable, we probably wouldn't have as much road rage, we probably wouldn't have as much fighting, people wouldn't die over Popeye sandwiches. It's just so much stuff that would happen um, if we took the time to monitor people mentally so that they would not necessarily go off the deep end when they're triggered. Because they would know what their triggers are. They would know how to avoid it. They would learn that information. And that's important. I mean, that's that's how I feel about uh, the mental health healthcare infrastructure in the U.S., man. It is a mess. And I know it's been a while since I don't think we really have fully declared that depression, anxiety, um, thoughts of loneliness, all that stuff is a disease yet. I don't think that we look at it that way. We look at it as, some people look at it as mental weakness instead of, hey, these people have issues that we can help work work them out with. Like with our bodies, we, we see people that are obese and we, we look at them physically and we say, oh, we know how to solve that problem. You need to do these things. It's the same thing with mental health. We need to do those things. We need to look at people and say, okay, you need to do these things. Um, but moving on to the next topic, the third topic, and it's, it's about self-care, really about myself and how I decided to take the, the journey into taking care of myself. So um, when I had my son or, or close to when I was have, we were about to have our son, um, I realized that or I thought back to when my dad um, was approaching his 50s. Um, and I wasn't, I think I was in middle school or high school. Um, and he was no longer interested physically, because he physically couldn't do it, to play basketball with us or run around with us. Um, and the honest truth was, for me, maybe it was earlier than that too. Maybe it was like while I was still kind of in elementary school. I think it was. I don't think I was like towards the end of my time in elementary school. Um, but he just physically was not interested in playing basketball anymore because he he it, he was too sore. I think one time he played and he could not move for like a couple days. And so I think after that, he was like, look, I'm done. I'll shoot around with you. I'll play horse, but I'm not running. I'm not jumping. I'm not doing any of that stuff. And so I thought back when I thought back to that, I thought about my son and I thought looked to the future and I said, I don't want to be the father who can't play basketball with his son when he's 16 or when he's 18. I still want to be able to beat my son in a race if we're racing and I'm 60 and he's, you know, and and he's uh, 15 or he's, I guess he wouldn't be, I wouldn't be 60, but if he was like 22 or something like that, I can't remember the age difference right now, Um, but maybe he'd be 25. Oh, well. So for me, I looked at that and I said, man, I really want to be physically fit in the future. Um, And now that I am approaching my 30s, I need to make sure I do everything that I possibly can do um, to make sure that I'm healthy in the future. 
And that means I got to start working on being healthy now. I got to make sure I'm in shape now because the moment that I stop working on being in shape now, I'll go so far left that I won't be able to come back. And that was really what I started thinking about. I was like, man, I don't want to be that type of guy who lets his body go in his 30s. And when he's 40, playing basketball takes him out or um, he he plays with his son for 20 minutes and he can't. It takes him out. I want to be the type of dad where his son is playing basketball. He goes with them and he's giving it to his son's friends. You know, that's the type of person I the type of person I want to be. And so, I started looking at okay, well, I, that means I just need to start exercising and stuff like that. So, um, the first thing I started to do was I started running and I ran track in college, so it wasn't like a big adjustment for me. But I started running and I was like, all right, I'll just run a mile. And boy, was it. It was hard in the beginning, man. I'm trying to tell you. Like, I run a mile or two miles and I'd be dead. I'm talking about I would want to take a nap and or be in bed for the rest of the day tired. But over time, I started to get more adjusted, more in, in tune with my body and, and getting used to running. Um, and I started, <laughs> I started drinking more water. I think one time I ran and when I got back, like, I had this massive headache. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, what did I do? Um, and I realized that I hadn't been – I didn't drink any water. So – Basically, my body used the last little bit of moisture in in my body so so I could sweat and keep my body temperature down. And as soon as I was done, my body shut down. Point blank, period. Hardly see, could hardly move, massive migraine. Um, and that was it. And so while my son after my son was born, I had ended up dealing with a back issue. Um, a number of factors to to cause the problem. I think part of it is when you don't sleep as much. Um, from having a child, um, it affects your body and how it recovers. And my back was the casualty of my son's birth, if you will, uh, because I was so I was changing him in the middle of the night. I didn't have good posture because we were using like a pack and play bassinet type thing. And so because of that, I would just be bending over. I wouldn't properly stand or anything like that. And, and that that messed my back up. Um, I remember the day that I, I was like, oh, my gosh. I felt like, uh, you know, you see people just fall down and they don't move. I, I felt like I was just always one move away from that happening to me where I trip or I, I position myself in such a way my back locks and I can't move and all I can do is fall to the ground to kind of relieve some of the pain. Um, didn't happen, um, but that's what I thought would happen. So um, for me, like I started looking at my health and I was like, okay, I want to be more healthy. I need to exercise to make sure that my body is still fit. Um, I actually am trying to get better at being more committed because it's cold outside and it's like, man, I don't want to go outside and run. I have a little bike in my house, but I ain't really trying to ride no bike, man. Riding a bike and running are two different things. It don't feel the same. I don't care what anybody says. Saves your knees, but I feel like you don't get enough. It's not enough there if you, if you ask me. Um, but from there, the, the next big thing for me, um, and I think big for everyone, is drinking water. Like if you're not properly hydrated, it makes a difference. And the honest truth is when you spend enough time drinking water, you know the difference in your body when you don't. Um, and I'm not talking about the fact that you got to use the bathroom more, but it's like your skin feels different. Um, your vision, in my opinion, feels a little bit different. Just the way your body feels in general is just different. Um, when you drink it and you feel better, it's just, it's funny. Like I used to think, and, and every time I relapse and go back to bad habits, I won't say that I'm perfect in this matter because I'm not, but for me, when I look at it, for my body, like I've noticed, like when I drink just water and I drink it regularly, I don't want 
necessarily other stuff. Um, like I don't want juice necessarily as much. I don't want soda. I just want some water and I'm good with water. It's just when you don't drink it and you're like, oh, I want some flavor. I don't feel like drinking water. That's when you really need to drink water. Um, it had gotten to the point where like I was either drinking water or coffee and that was it during the day. And I would have my coffee in the morning or in my travel mug on the way to work. And then I would drink water for the rest of the day and I'd be cool. And it, it really made a difference. Um, in my mind, my opinion. And the honest truth for me is I'm a little lactose intolerant. And so when I don't drink water and I eat dairy, it creates a bigger problem for me internally because I haven't necessarily, I won't say diluted, but I haven't flushed my system of the bad stuff that the lactose creates in my body. But when I drink water, I could eat anything and it doesn't affect me nearly as much. It's like the water helps create the right influence in your body and it, it diminishes influences on different foods that you shouldn't have. Like drinking, eating a I'd say like this, if I eat a lot of candy all the time, it's going to influence my body a certain way. But if I drink water and if I drink the proper amount of water, which is uh, half your body weight in ounces, if I drink the water I'm supposed to drink, that candy that I was eating has less of an influence on my body. I read this also, this interesting uh, article once. It was about coffee in your teeth. It was saying, hey, if you drink coffee every morning, as long as you drink water after it, it should help protect your teeth, which I thought was a pretty, pretty cool fact. Because I'm like, hey, everybody drink coffee. Just about everybody drinks coffee to some degree. Um, and so um, because of that, I'm like, okay, I need to, if I drink this water, it'll help protect my teeth, and that's, that's, a, that's a good reason to do it. Um, so the next couple of things that I've done to kind of help monitor my, my physical fitness, because that's what this is about, is smoothies. Like after I work out, I try to have a recovery smoothie with, you know, fruit, some uh, a protein powder. Um, and if I have it, maybe some, some greens, um, like some spinach or something like that. For me personally, I think that it helps from the standpoint of it just puts that energy back into your body that you lost um, without you having to worry about... Um, what you you know what you're going to eat the rest of the day you don't have to worry about that you you kind of replenish your body and you can go back living a normal life um next for me is sleeping so i i bought a fitbit not too long ago um and i had another smartwatch that was kind of monitoring i'm using air quotes monitoring my health um truth of the matter is um the fitbit is a lot better than what i was using before um but what i noticed was with the with it with any uh, fitness tracker, it puts you in a position where you can kind of monitor your sleep, you can monitor, um, or you could track your water intake if you want to, your food or your calorie intake. I, I stopped doing that. It's just too much work for me. Um, but from monitoring my sleep, I, it helps me understand what elements make me sleep better, what elements make me sleep worse, what happened to make me stay up, or what happened for me to get better sleep. And so I can repeat those things and I can research and say, okay, well, this day I slept better this day because I did this or I did that. And now I can have more intelligent information. Because here's the thing that we tend to forget about as Americans there are a couple of things that are vitally important for the quality of your physical life. Number one, you got to sleep. Number two, you got to drink water. And number three, you got to exercise. When you do those three things, and I'm not saying you need to do them to the, the degree where you are an Olympic athlete or you're a professional athlete, but if you pr regularly practice getting enough sleep, drinking water, and exercising, your quality of life, the way your body feels will just be different. Like for me, I when I run, after I my body is in shape and I'm used to the pounding, I feel amazing. Like it, It's like 
I can I have spring in my step. I have more energy when when I get enough sleep. It's like I can focus more at work. Um, and when I drink enough water, my whatever I eat doesn't affect me negatively as much. Um, so those are, that's my opinion as it relates to taking care of yourself physically, man. I've been um, on this journey for a while. I've lost some weight. I feel like I look I look better. I feel better. Um, unfortunately, the holidays always bring a, a little bit of a relapse for me because it's like all this good food. It's cold outside. I got time off and I want to just be around, sit around and be lazy or I want to focus on other things. So I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm, I'm, I'm most definitely am not. But what I am happy about is when you take the journey of self-care from a physical standpoint, it does make your life a little bit easier once you get into the routine. Not to mention the, the physical, uh, I mean, the mental payoff for exercising regularly. One of the things that they say you should do when you have any mental health issue is exercise on a regular basis. Schedule it because it allows you to have some form of release, um, which is important. Um, so that being said, man, I, I appreciate you guys hanging out with me on the Trumpet Speak podcast. Um, we look forward to catching you next week on the next episode. Um, and until then, you have a good one.